It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 133. This week we've got news, we've got sport, we've got comedy, we've got music. But first of all, let me begin by wishing you all a happy Chinese New Year. Actually, not so much Chinese New Year, it's the Lunar New Year. And in Vietnam and in Malaysia and in Singapore and in other places they celebrate it as well. But of course, the 1.5 billion people in China and the Chinese diaspora will be celebrating it most this is the year of the ox and this is a song about an eagle in mandarin uh, i'll show you some of the words in a moment <laughs> For those of you who don't speak Mandarin, the song is called I'll Soar Like an Eagle and beautiful words. God has heard the cry of my heart. My desire echoes in his ears. Come and cast your heavy load upon him to restore the beauty of God's image. He's God who forms the universe and his wisdom never ends. God gives strength to the weary. He empowers the weak. Those who wait on him will renew their strength. Well, happy Chinese New Year. Um, it was interesting because I was at a meeting this morning and there was a Chinese lady there and I, I wished her a happy New Year's Eve and, and she was very grateful because she'd forgotten about it and now she's remembered to phone her mother. Well, and, and Joe Biden has phoned Xi Jinping. I'm not sure whether it was to wish him a happy New Year or not. Uh, that will be really interesting to see what happens with that. Uh, Biden says he will do what's in America's interests. I kind of hope he will do what's in humanity's interests. Um, the persecution of the Uyghur Muslims and the Christians and Falun Gong, amongst other things. But of course, in the West, we're extremely unlikely to do pretty well anything about China. Why? Because in the UK alone, Chinese students account for almost 2 billion in revenue for the higher education sector. Nine British universities, many of them members of the Russell Group, the elite group, depend on Chinese students for more than 20% of their revenue from tuition fees. Well, take a lesson from us here in Australia. We went that route and it's been a disaster. Without these students, Imperial College, for example, would face a £73 million black hole. Do you know Imperial College? Would they dare publish a report which critiqued the Chinese government's handling of COVID-19 if they were likely to lose tens of millions? I don't think so. 
It's revealed last week that Oxford University has re- agreed to rename its Wickham Chair of Physics as the Tencent Wickham Professorship after Tencent, a Chinese software firm, which has links to the communist regime's intelligence services because they gave £700,000. It also emerged that 200 British academics are being investigated by HMRC because of helping the Chinese government build weapons of mass destruction. In 2019, GCHQ counted 500 Chinese military science attached to British universities who are working on technology platforms with a number of military applications, including missiles, supercomputers and fighter aircraft. This is going to be used for state repression. Only last week, Manchester University was forced to cancel a contract with a Chinese company after it was warned that the software supplied was being used by Beijing in its mass surveillance of the Uyghur Muslims. Well, a bit of good news is that uh, Ofcom withdrew the license for CGTN, the China Global Television Network, international language, English language satellite news channel, which is part of the Communist Party's propaganda outfit. Anyway, um, here's, listen to this lovely piece of music. That's a Uyghur folk song. Just remember when Joe Biden's chatting to Xi Jinping, when people wonder why we're critical of the Chinese regime, there are one and a half million Uyghur Muslims who are in concentration camps in China. I read an astonishing statistic this week uh, about Nigeria. Last year, 3,600 Christians were killed because of their faith, murdered because of their faith in northern Nigeria. That's a trebling from the previous year. It really is quite astonishing. You know, if that was happening with almost any other group, it would be headline news. But I wonder how many people actually know that. Okay, let's move on to something else. Um, we've heard a bit of Mandarin. How's your Dutch? The leuzen die u zult horen variëren van dood aan het patriarchaat en all men are trash tot all refugees are welcome here. Ziet u de paradox? De westerse man is de aardsvijand, maar de massa-immigratie van honderdduizenden alleenstaande mannen uit zeer patriarchale samenlevingen. Dat is voor onze feministen geen enkel probleem. That is a lady called... I mean, I love Dutch. I think Dutch is a great language. Iver uh, Vlaardingerbroek. Iver Vlaardingerbroek. Um, who's a Dutch woman who was speaking at a party conference of a new political party, Forum for Democracy. I know very little about it. I'm assuming it's libertarian, somewhat right-wing. Um, it's very interesting what's going on in the Netherlands at the moment. Now, her speech, in case you 
don't understand Dutch, I can understand a bit, is that she spoke out against modern day feminism. She stated that modern day feminism, also known as third wave feminism, comes under the umbrella of cultural Marxism. And she states the, that, um, you know, how can you be against feminism? It's provided work and enabled her to be free to stand on the stage and all that kind of stuff. And she argues that modern feminism is now working against those rights. That, and she, she points out one paradox, that in modern feminism, the Western male is the arch enemy. But we have to welcome lots of men from patriarchal societies into European society. Now, you have to be really, really careful with that. I'm not saying I agree with all that she says. That is a, that is a, a real point. I think I can question her on, 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 in different areas as well, because, for example, I would say that on things like the transgender issue, we're very much with the modern feminists, uh, the ones who actually recognise that there is such a thing as women, uh, a woman, and that does have something to do with biology. So... I think many of us who are biblical Christians find ourselves on the same side as the feminists. I think Eva's um, analysis, although it has some good points, is a bit too simplistic. However, it is the case that one third of women in Sweden apparently are now subject to sexual abuse. Do you know, maybe there's something when the feminists said we need to get rid of Christianity because it's patriarchal, have they ever thought about what they're going to replace it with? Maybe it won't be the feminist nirvana they were all talking about. All right, let's move on to something completely different. Um, first of all, I want you to hear a piece of music in Gaelic. That was the King's Singers, and those of you who speak Gaelic, and there are a few who listen to this who do speak Gaelic, forgive the pronunciation, O Chichi Mina Morbena, I think is what it's called. It's a Gaelic folk song, and I played it because it has been arranged by Sir James Macmillan. Now, Sir James Macmillan is a fascinating character. He is a... he's probably the UK's foremost modern composer, but he's a traditionalist. And um, he was, he, he dallied for a while with Marxism, super left wing, all the rest of it, nationalist. And he's really swung back. He's very much a traditional Catholic. Uh, and I um, have a great admiration for Sir James. Um, I love his music. I absolutely love his music. And the way he thinks... I find him just incredibly stimulating. I'd love to sit down and have a chat with him sometime um, about Catholicism and everything else. But he says in this, in the modern world, Catholicism has taken up its mantle as a countercultural force. In the arts and in music, what makes up the ballast of that culture is the exploration in sound, word and image of the life of Christ. I love that. I love that. Um, and I, I would encourage you to listen to his music. Oh, 
Okay, let's go from the sublime to the ridiculous. Uh, the Aussie comedian Steve Hughes. Here he is talking about climate change. Oh, the, by the way, the, the planet's broken. It's all warmed up. And uh, yeah, we have to fix it now because we've broken it. And uh, you know, we've done tests. Who has? You know, experts. Who are they? Oh, don't worry about it. They're here talking about? I don't even believe in it. People freak out. What do you mean you don't believe in it? I don't believe in it. You have to believe in it. It's the law! Well, it's not yet. I'm sure it will be, but until then, no. Why should I believe in it? What are you talking about? They're running around the world, dropping depleted uranium all over the earth, sitting there letting nuclear weapons off underneath the sea, and the rest of us, what are we going to do? Sit at home with a special light bulb and a shopping bag for life. Now, I absolutely love that clip. I think it's from the Hammersmith Odeon, I think it is. Um, it's about a 12-minute clip. There's a bit of profanity in it, as you would expect. He's an unusual comedian because I think he's I think he's hilarious, which is a good thing for a comedian to be. But also, he's very thoughtful and very provocative. And um, he is actually genuinely radical. He just doesn't go along with stuff. I mean, just before that clip, he was talking about the war against terror and asking how you can have a war against terror. But on that clip, he's questioning climate change. And I'm sorry, but you don't do that. As he said, that's going to be against the law soon. But I, I almost think that comedy, like so much art and music, has just become so safe nowadays. They think they're being radical, but they're not. They're just buying in with the zeitgeist. Someone like Steve Hughes, someone like uh, Sir James Macmillan, they are the real radicals. Okay. Again, have a listen to this. Flower of Scotland, of course, uh, sung at Murrayfield. Uh, it's blood-curdling stuff. And um, I, guess I just had to put this in. I had to put this in for my English listeners because, uh, listen. And the Scotland fly-off comes back on, and he slots it through. Scotland five points in front. England can't afford any mistakes, but they need a miracle now from their own half. And the ball is there, stolen by Scotland, and out it goes, and a victory at Twickenham. A strange and silent Twickenham. Save only the cheers and roars of the Scotland players and the Scotland staff. Because it's a first win for Scotland at Twickenham since 1983. England sinks Scotland 11 in the Six Nations Trophy. Wonderful stuff, although I'm sure the English listeners won't agree to that. You know, part of the problem was England were so expected to win. I, 
I just think there was a certain hubris involved in that. So, uh, well done, Scotland. But I wish I could leave it there, but I can't. There's another story there. 19 of Scotland's 23-man squad did not take the knee. Um, and so people are complaining, is this because you're racist? Look, we're fed up with this take-the-knee nonsense. Uh, you know, quite a few of the English players didn't take it either. Oh, give us strength. Why do you have to bring politics into everything? And speaking of Scottish politics, I'm just going to keep you a little bit up to date with the Sturgeon-Salmon split and what's going on. Um, Alex Salmond has refused to appear before a committee of the Scottish Parliament which is refusing to publish his submission, which has already been published in The Spectator and elsewhere. Yep, you couldn't make this stuff up. It's, it's crazy stuff. We'll keep an eye on it. And speaking of crazy stuff, let's go to Victoria in uh, New South Wales. In, in New South Wales, Victoria in Australia. Um, you know, the, the leader, Dan Andrews, amazes me. This week, he boasted that his um, they weren't taking so many travelers from overseas because they had much stricter standards and much better quarantine. And within a day of him saying that, we now have 10 cases that have come about through badly managed quarantine, apparently. But what I'm concerned about just now is the Victorian, what's called the anti-gay conversion bill, but it's not anti-gay conversion. It's a, it's a, a bill which I think for the first time in Western society is going to ban some Christian practices such as prayer. Now, let me explain why that, that is. In fact, there's an article I'll put a link to on First Things by Carl Truman, which is wonderful and explains it very well. And this is what he says. It's an ominous sign when such a basic religious practice as prayer, so often decried by the irreligious as pointless hokum, is now the target of hostile legislation in a democratic country. We may not yet be at the point where thought is a crime, but we seem to be at the point where the expression of certain thoughts, even in prayer, could be considered criminal behaviour. At the risk of encouraging people to commit high crimes and misdemeanors, I would urge everyone to pray that other countries do not follow Victoria's example, for if they do, it might be illegal to pray for almost anything of which our lords and masters disapprove in a few years' time. Unless you think this is exaggerating, the Age newspaper in Victoria said, no, no, you don't have to worry, religious people, you don't have to worry. You know, that just several things are going to be banned. Like, for example, a person going to a religious leader seeking advice on their feelings of same-sex attraction. Their religious leader will be banned from telling them they are broken and should live a celibate life for the purpose of changing or suppressing their same-sex attraction. Wow. Just wow. But it's not just the Victorians or the Californians who, are, who are got this intolerance and madness. Conservative MP in the United Kingdom Parliament, Alicia Cairns, MP for Rutland and Mel Melton, has said that prayer is one of the grotesque acts, and she compared it with corrective rape in terms of banning, also seeking to ban conversion therapy. It is a mad world, and I have to play this.
Okay, uh, let's just look. I'm going to just look at a couple of things. Uh, first of all, the, there's this is wonderful um, video on YouTube <laughs> of Hans Hand. I think it's Hansforth, is it or Hansworth Parish Council? Um, it's hilarious. It's just a council meeting that's bizarre. And I want to ask Jackie, was it you who quoted a point of order? Yes, it was indeed. Are you are you here? as the proper officer. I am here offering support to Hanforth Parish Council in the conduct of this meeting this evening. You're not the proper officer. Is that as clerk or proper officer? There's no difference between clerk and proper officer. Um, of course there is. Yes, there is. You must know the basic law. Are we going I would to have thought. Are we going to start this meeting? It, 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 isn't, it isn't the role of somebody who, however kindly, volunteers to do the clerking for a meeting to act as a proper officer if they haven't so been appointed. Or shall we elect an alternative chairman? We'll start the meeting and I want to repeat what I said at the beginning of the last meeting, that this meeting has not been called according to the law. The law um, has been broken. It has been properly Will called. you please let the chairman please, please. If you disrupt this meeting, I will have to remove you from it. You can't. It's only the chairman who can remove people from a meeting. You have no authority here, Jackie Weaver. No authority at all. She's just kicked him out. I, I, no, she's kicked him out. Don't, don't. She's kicked him out. Don't. This is a incredible, just incredible. Here's another mad thing and a sad thing. There's an Australian academic, Kyle Moore Gilbert, who has been 804 days, almost three years in solitary confinement in an Iranian prison. She was locked up in a three metre by two metre cell in freezing temperatures and subjected to psychological torture. But meanwhile, her husband, Ruslan Hodorov, in Melbourne, was in a relationship with her university colleague and PhD supervisor, Dr. Kylie Baxter. Dr. Moore Gilbert learned of the secret affair two days after she was returned home to Australia in November as part of a prisoner swap deal, and she, um, they are to be divorced. It's interesting that the university say, well, uh, we don't comment on private things. We're concerned about the health of, uh, and welfare of our staff. Yeah, I think being in prison for three years and having your husband, it's, this, it's, it's the selfishness of it. It's the selfishness of it. Another thing in a mad world, euthanasia being offered to an elderly woman who was tired of lockdowns in her Canadian nursing home. The doctor complied, killed her because she was tired of lockdowns. Speaking of lockdowns, Matt Hancock the UK Health Secretary has said if you come in from abroad to the UK and you lie about the country you have come from, if you've come from a red country and you say you haven't or you've come from another, you go to jail for 10 years. Think about that. If you commit a child sex offence, the maximum offence in the UK, maximum term, is seven years. If you have a racially aggravated assault or incest, incest it's seven years. If you burgle someone with intent to commit rape, or commit indecent acts with children under 14, the maximum is 10 years. And that's considered to be equivalent to lying about which country you've come from. Honestly, I think COVID's driven governments mad. And speaking of being driven mad, oh dear me, 
Abigail Shearer, uh, Schreier, um, she's pointed out in an article, which I'll put a link to, that Planned Parenthood is now focusing less on abortions. They're still doing abortions, but on, which is, as they say, their bread and butter, but the trans treatments. And she notes that trans-identifying kids are cash cows and they're kept on the hook for the foreseeable future in terms of follow-up appointments, blood work meetings, whereas abortions are hopefully a one-and-done situation. As we say, it's a mad world. Now, a number of years ago, I reported uh, a letter that I had from a senior medical person stating that they'd been informed, they were involved in gynecology, and they'd been informed by the BMA that they should no longer refer to breastfeeding but to chest feeding because of the two trans men who had artificial chests which enabled them to chest feed. And when I did this, I was roundly mocked. The BMA denied it, although it was true. I saw it, it was true. Well, it's all catching up, isn't it? Because Brighton and Sussex University Hospital NH Trust has formally intimated a gender-inclusive policy, language policy for its maternity services. And guess what? Midwives have been told to say chest feeding instead of breastfeeding and to replace the term mother with mother or birthing parent. And the maternity is no longer to be called that, but perinatal services. This is where I'm with the feminists, because this is the abolition of woman. All right, a little bit of good news. I love this one. There is a French nun who is the oldest living person in Europe. She is a, going to be 117 next month. Lucille Randon has tested positive for coronavirus, but has recovered. Her name is apparently Sister Andre, and she will celebrate her birthday and recovery, I think, just as this is going out. Um, this is not such good news, but I'm sure you will recognize this song. Wilson of the Supremes, of course, in their song Baby Love. Uh, she's died. Um, when you read an account of her life, it is really, really sad in so many ways. <sighs> I, well, I think the one story I really do like about it, her music teacher told uh, her at school and her classmate that uh, they should become opera singers and they shouldn't sing pop. And she remembers that when she, the, her music teacher attended Supreme's concert after Baby Love had gone to number one, she said, thank God you didn't listen to me. All right, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of mad stuff, a lot of good stuff. The Lord is still in control. Happy New Year again to you if you're a Chinese. And let me leave you with this song from the Rolling Stones. Um, it was one I wasn't really aware of, um, but it's a fantastic song prodigal son it tells the story of the prodigal son and it tells it rather well a story of rebellion and separation and death and return and repentance and forgiveness and acceptance it is the human condition and the we all need to return to the father so 
God bless you wherever you are. You want to support us, feel free to do so at the Podbean fundraiser. You'll get all the links on the blog. Continue. Thank you so much again for all of you who sent in feedback and information and more stories. Sorry I can't use them all, but please feel free to send us in for next week. See you then. See, I believe I run. Believe I go back home. Believe I go back home. Believe I run. Believe I go back home. Oh, down the road, as far as I can go. That'll be the way to get along. Oh, father says, see my son coming after me. Coming home to me. Father friend fell down on his knees. Father, will you look on me as a child? 